Hello and welcome to Tech Talks with Madonna, Season Two, Episode Seven. Our guest today is Somaya Ahmed. Somaya Ahmed has been with us before on Season Two, Episode Two. In this episode, she will be continuing her talk on how she was able to get an office in one year and get one more. How you can leverage the knowledge learned from her talk in this episode to be able to stand out in the great pool of talent. With us is Sumaya again, and this time we will expound on the topics that we spoke about in Season 2, Episode 2. Sumaya, hi, how are you doing today? Hi, Madonna. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me back here for mm-hmm. this topic. It's an amazing topic. We have so much to say. Uh, but first, let me introduce myself for people who skipped over the previous podcast. I'm Sumaya Ahmed. I'm a team lead and Android engineer. and Google developer expert for Android. And in our last episode of the podcast, we talked about the interviewing process for Android. What does that process typically look like? What does preparation look like? And we realized there's so much content that we couldn't even get to. So that's what we're doing today. We're going to talk about uh, how to successfully uh, reach out for help for Android interviews, how to get to the interview stage, and really how to really dig deep into the preparation process and what you really need to know. Yes, and I feel like this is going to be so valuable because the market right now is very shaky for developers. And that leads me to the first question. What is the current market like? Oh, okay. I'm saying this as somebody who's not a recruiter because obviously they will have the most recent market data. But of course, we've all heard about the layoffs that are hitting the tech industry right now. And it's very, it can be very scary and unsettling because a lot of the companies that did layoffs are traditionally companies that are seen as safe, for example, Google and Microsoft. Uh, So there has been a lot of shakeup around this. There have been a huge number of engineers laid off, a lot of Android engineers among them. So I would say that um, the market is definitely not where we were a year ago or a year and a half ago where companies were on a hiring spree. Yeah. That being said, there is a positive side to this. Mm-hmm. Android is a niche market. Historically, what I have seen when I was going through the interview process or when friends were going through the interview process is that mm-hmm. demand is higher for mobile engineers than compared to other stacks. Mm-hmm. And mobile engineers also tend to command pay premium because of this so there is a silver lining here in that you know as an android engineer you are in a very focused market so even though you're kind of subject to market trends you're you can you're confident that demand is a little bit higher for you that is amazing i like the fact that you actually added a positive in it because right now many people and the market being this crowded it's very hard so, which because yes. it means you have to go back and make sure your algorithm skills are up to date because it's going to be very competitive. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to just reiterate what I said in the last mm-hmm. uh, podcast as well is that the interview process is a very scary process. It's exhausting, mm-hmm. um, and there's a huge element of luck. So it feels like if we're the, if we're laid off or if we're going through job changes right now, it can be a really down point in our life and. Uh, what I want to point out is like none of this is a reflection on you as a person or you as an engineer. Um, we're all at the mercy of you know the business cycles, the market, uh, the job industry, and you know it can just be good luck and bad luck that affects us too. Oh, that is so true. 
And <laughs> I think you also did mention how the market is currently like for Android engineers, which is pretty cool. And I wanted to ask you, how do you reach out to people for interview help? Because I feel like right now we really need that help because many people are hunting. Yes, this is this is a great thing because you want to reach out to people for interview help. One of the best things that you can do is actually start talking to people um, that you know. And it doesn't have to be a, a function of like, you don't have to know somebody at Google. You don't have to know somebody at a fan company to, to get good interview help. It can just be talk to people around about your interview process, open up to people and um, people will open up back to you and having conversations around this process, having conversations around uh, jobs and expectations, that is a huge source of help. So first of all, you're looking at, you're getting a lot of people's perspectives instead of just your own. And um, you're also not boxing yourself in because the more knowledge you have over this process, the more power you have. Very well said. And just tying this back a little bit to that particular topic, how do you get referrals? That's something that I feel like, so I'm going to tell you something about myself. Yeah. There's these two companies that I really wanted to work in, but you're right. Whenever you send a, like a resume to just the automated system, you get an yeah. automated rejection and you're like, yes. did you even get time to read my resume? Right. Does it have to just match your algorithm or something? You can copy paste the job description into your application and use the same words, and you could still get that rejection. Really? Yeah, how, that is, how unfair is that? Yeah. So how do you get referral? Okay, so we talked a lot in our last podcast or how, mm -hmm. around how referrals are a game changer. So this is this is a really exciting topic. Uh, like Madonna said, like referrals can be the difference between you getting rejected right off the bat or getting to the interview process. And that's kind of the hardest part. So uh, this is this is when you start leveraging your network. And it sounds like a really big and serious thing, your network. Really, it's just whatever people you know. Um, you don't need to have this huge list of people who are in fancy jobs that you can reach out to for help. It can be, you can make your network out of your former colleagues, your former bosses, or people you went to school with, people who were teachers at your former schools. Um, and these are people you probably already know. So this is, you already have a network built in. These are great people to reach out to. Um, what if you've exhausted those? You wanna start branching out. Well, the great thing is you can start looking at communities who are designed around supporting people who work in tech. So um, things like Google developer groups, um, there's many of them focused on minorities like women tech makers, women who code. Some are geography based, some of them are virtual communities. Most of them specialize based on your tech stack and audience. So a little bit of Google searching will get you a long way. You can find communities that are geared for your career level and your tech stack. And these are people that are that, again, once you're in this community, and that's probably as simple as joining a Slack group or, you know, attending a single meetup, these people can be your network. Uh, these are great people to reach out to for interview help, for interview information, um, even asking about things like, you know, like, how did you get interviews, you know, um, go ahead and reach out to these folks. Um, you can look at unofficial communities in your area, reach out to de developers that you may know. There's um, uh, there are sometimes Slack groups and meetups. 
that mm -hmm. are focused on developers who maybe freelance developers. These are also great people to reach out to. And last but not least, your mm -hmm. LinkedIn connections. So there's a bunch of people you can reach out to, but then what do you actually say yeah. once, you, once you get to them, right? Um, it's really awkward to go from, hi, I just met you to, uh, do you feel comfortable referring me for a role, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, you don't have to get there right away. Like the one of the things you can even start out with is just ask for advice. Like, hey, I'm in the interview process right now. I noticed like you just got a job last year. What helped you in this process, right? Um, that's kind of a level one question. That's safe to ask anybody. Most people are totally happy to, to give you quick advice. Level two kind of help is ask somebody you know for mock interviews. So somebody who's said like, hey, do you mind, um, you know, like setting aside an hour of time, give me a quick mock interview. These can be people you know a little bit better. Um, and again, a lot of people are happy to do this for you. Uh, and the third step is to ask for a referral. And uh, obviously not a lot of people can give you referrals because first of all, they have to be at the company you want to get into. Uh, but if you know somebody, the thing is, you don't need to know somebody well. This is something that really tripped me up. I thought you, like, if you're asking someone for a referral, they have to know you and they have to know you for many years and they have to be able to vouch for you and everything. Yeah. Typically, yeah. that's true. But you can still cold call somebody, like message somebody on LinkedIn, say, hi, I noticed you work at this company. I really wanted to get into this type of role. When we have an hour chat, like talk to them for an hour, talk to them about you, what you've done. And then at the end, say, if you're comfortable, uh, I'd love to have a referral and just sort of put a no pressure situation on them. Wow. So, I you, love you can, that. <laughs> yeah, you can like, I didn't know this, actually. I heard this from somebody I was chatting about in an interview who had done this for someone. And I was like, what? Like, you can just talk to somebody you don't know and ask them for a referral. And all it takes is like, more a little more conversation it's true i feel like we we, cheat, we have a cheat sheet today like this is yes. a great cheat sheet of interviews i love that i love that samaya thank you so much for sharing that with us and now that you've walked us through great resources something that many of us struggle with is sounding confident in interviews and i want to ask you what are your tips and tricks to sound confident in an interview Oh, this is, this is so hard to do. Even for somebody who's been in so many interviews, it always feels like the balance of power is with the person who's interviewing you, right? The person who's asking the questions. The best way that I've found is to invert this balance of power and tell yourself, I'm interviewing the company. I'm asking questions. Sure, we're going to have a conversation, but I'm also interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me. And just like giving yourself like reversing that power dynamic in your head makes a big difference in how, mm -hmm. how you approach it. Like you lose a little bit of nervousness. You start to get more confident and more relaxed in the interview process. Um, that I think the mental game is really important here. And then the other thing, honestly, is just practice. Just do a lot of interviews, talk to a lot of people, do mock interviews. I mean, I know there's paid services where you can, you know, like pay to have an engineer interview ouch I'm not sure I would recommend that because honestly if you just do interviews anyways you'll get that practice that's true <laughs> that is so true I have never done that I do see a couple of companies of like 
doing that, which I think mm-hmm. it's all, it's, it actually, it feels to me like, and I'm sorry to say this, but it feels to me like it's preying on like developers who are actually desperate because sometimes people do that because they're desperate, you know, like, I really want to get this job. How do I do it? Because I feel like it has to be start with you and you can actually reach out to a friend to mm-hmm. do the mock interviews. You don't have to pay for a service, but then I might be very wrong in this. Maybe it does help others. So again, just my own opinion yeah. on that. Yeah. I, I don't know. They're also very expensive from what I could see. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. like, they're like a hundred dollars or $150 for a mock interview. Uh, and it definitely feels like you could spend an hour or two, like trying to find somebody who can give you a mock interview for the same result. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also don't have enough data to say yeah. whether I recommend these services or not, but Me either. By, by your sixth interview, I'm going to say like, if you have, if you have a bunch of interviews lined up by your fifth or sixth, you are not going to care anymore. You're going to just be super confident. You're going to be on top of your game. That's the best thing really you can do. For that is true. Now let's get to the technical side. And yes. this is where I want to ask you, what are the critical data structures and, and algorithms to know? Because I do know there are companies that actually require this, but also it's good to mention that there are companies that actually these days, they offer more of like a project-based kind of like problem where you take home and send that back. Mm-hmm. So tell us, what do you, what are the best, what are the critical data structures and algorithms you need to know? Yes, just like you said, um, some companies are skipping this part entirely, but I found that, uh, unfortunately, you still have to know these things. Um, and the three top algorithms that I got asked over and over again, mm-hmm. depth-first search. This is that recursive depth-first search process that I think is one of the trickier things to master. But once you've got it, once you've got spent time on it, I think you, you know, you've got it. So that's depth-first search. The second most popular one I found was binary search, which is you know a searching algorithm, which is based on arrays or some sort of continuous memory structure. Binary search for sure. A little, it's definitely less complex than the depth first search, so um, a bit easier to understand. And then the last, the third most popular one was breadth first search. So mm-hmm. this is when you know you're. Uh, this is something like a queue-based structure where you're looking at all your possible neighbors before moving on to the next one. Sorry, that was, a, that was a bit technical, but in terms of priority, depth for search, binary search, breadth for search. These are the ones I got asked over and over again. And the ones that I hear are also super popular. Um, that being said, those are your algorithms. In terms of data structures, um, actually it really helps. Uh, this is a little bit easier because these are are the things that you use every day, like arrays, hash tables, lists, and heaps. Um, and then, of course, you have to know your big O uh, space and time complexity for all of these things. Amazing. I That's a very good point. I think the DFS and BFS are pretty popular and common in mm-hmm. many companies. And also yes. the binary search, because I think we use them a lot without even knowing we're using them. So I think having yeah. that fundamental knowledge is pretty important. And you're right about the arrays, hash tables, lists, and hips. And also just going through like a list or looping through, finding a number or removing. I feel like that is something that is very pretty common. Now, yeah. for the Android side, because I know you're a Google developer expert for Android and you cater for the Android community. So what are the critical Android things to review before an interview? Yeah, you've got to my favorite part. Uh, <laughs> I know, and, me too, and mine too. 
right? The the other, the data structures and algorithms prep feels so strange because it's not stuff you do every day, but the Android stuff is based on the stuff that you're touching, you're coding every single day. So this is honestly one of my favorite parts of the interview process. Um, that being said, there are parts of Android development. Um, obviously, like Android is a huge thing in and of itself. And even as a developer, you don't work all over the Android stack. Um, but in the interview process, there are like seven or eight things, I would say, that are really critical to know um, before going into an interview process, because these are like core Android concepts that are um, very critical to development at you know, pretty much every company. First thing, know your architecture patterns. You know, whatever level you're interviewing at, you're going to get asked around, um, you know, what is model view view model and what does it do? And that's Google's recommended architecture. So know MVVM really well. Um, it's also a bonus if you can sort of compare and contrast the use cases it's used for and point out pros and cons. Um, and chances are you've probably used MVVM if you've developed an app in the past few years because that's sort of your standard Google uh, toolbox at this point. The second thing is like the family of memory leaks and ANRs. Like this is one of the critical problems with Android is resource constriction. So learning what memory leaks are, how they happen, how to debug them. Same thing with ANRs. How do they happen? How do you debug ANRs? Uh, and then in a related, in the related family of questions, multi-threading. How does multi-threading happen in Android? So in general, how do threads and processes work in Android? Um, and then being able to talk about the libraries we use to deal with threads and processes. So this could be coroutines from Kotlin or RxJava or sometimes Kotlin flows. Um, all of these are slightly different paradigms and libraries to use with our, you know, to use for multi-threading. Uh, but at least being able to talk about one of them, uh, the use cases, compare and contrast them a little bit. Uh, this is, well, this is something that's really good to know. So those are like the, the family of memory and, you know, performance related questions. Um, slightly similar to that are like UI performance questions because UI and rendering processes is also really expensive. So mm. it's sort of expected that Android developers will know how to make, you know, how to figure out issues, problems with UI performance and talk about how to fix those. So knowing how recycler views work now, Recycler views are slightly like they're they're kind of like the the thing that every single app uses somewhere. Like I'm I'm ninety percent sure. Give me a code base. There's going to be a recycler view in it. So knowing how they work internally, what are the performance issues you could have with recycler views, um, and then things like image processing and rendering, which often happens inside a recycler view. So you have to know like what are what's the deal with image processing? Like um, what how do you what are the, the gotchas with like fetching images from a network or uh, transforming it into bitmaps and all those things. So image processing and rendering, view hierarchy and rendering processes and recycler views. These are also like one family of questions um, that are pretty common and it's a great thing to study up on. Okay, so we've talked about architecture patterns, memory things, UI processing things. And I think the last, couple of um, things that are really important to know are a bit more tooling and library related. So things like dependency injection is very common in Android in the Android world. So whether you, you've used Java or Hilt or Anvil, 
Um, just know what tool you use, why you're using it, uh, and same with data persistence. So just know what the options are for data persistence in Android, like shared preferences versus room, other kinds of SQLite storage, why you'd use them, pros and cons, that sort of thing. And this sounds like a lot, honestly, uh, but these are things that you will very commonly deal with. Like if you put up a simple app that has a network fetch, store something on the device, like you've already done all of this stuff. So even though it sounds really intimidating as this giant list on paper, you, you've probably already done this. You'd know this off the bat. Um, so don't worry about it. You got this. Amazing. Wow. I feel like, so Maya, this is so amazing that you've shared such great content with your team and I love it so much. And I wanted to ask you in, in terms of Android, do you need to know Compose? This is something that I've been hearing about a lot, actually, uh, because Compose is so new, right? Uh, we've been doing views in XML for like 10 plus years and Compose is completely different. And um, the the tricky thing is that the the considerations with Compose are very different, like the rendering process, the um, the way that Compose re-renders and recomposes, and the the gotchas with Compose are different than gotchas with like recycler views, for example. So knowing Compose in depth means you do put in a little bit of time and effort. So I would say, like in terms of priority. It's kind of a bonus to know Compose well. What is it like? Not everybody knows Compose well. I don't know Compose that well. It's it's new. It's different. It takes a while to understand. And honestly, like most code bases, still have XML code. Um, so get familiar with it. Get you know know enough about it to have an opinion on it. But no one's going to fail you for not knowing any Compose. Honestly. Wow. Thank you so much, Samaya. Finally, to wrap this up, because you've given us so much great content, and please go listen to season two, episode two, Samaya's first talk, which was super amazing. And finally, please tell us, Samaya, as an interviewer, what do you look for? Oh my gosh, this is a tough question because one thing I'm going to be honest about is when I've been in my career, when I've been on the other side of the table, uh, it's always uh it's always much more difficult than we realize you know like I'm not sitting in judgment of the person in front of me uh, and I'm not out here to catch somebody in in an error and I, I know it feels like that when you're on the other side of the table and you're nervous and this is you know probably an interview that feels very difficult in the moment so as an interviewer I my job is to make you feel comfortable asking questions, make you feel comfortable talking me through a solution. Um, and primarily what I look for is the ability to communicate um, the thought process, be able to communicate why you're doing things the way you are. Um, and that's kind of like, it gives me the depth of understanding of, you know, whatever we're talking about. Obviously, like with different levels and different roles, you're looking for different things. But one of the things that's always constant is, the fact that like, can this person just tell me like compose versus recycler views? Like, why did they choose to do this? Like, what are the trade-offs? Uh, like, are they, do they really understand why they're doing what they're doing? Or yeah. uh, are they, are they honest about the stuff that they don't know? Can they tell me how they learn? Can they show me how, how they think? 
that's that is what I'm looking for. And I know that's not a natural skill with engineers. So I always try to like my job is to make you feel comfortable enough with me to communicate openly and honestly and um, and just share your thought process with me. Uh, so as an interviewer, I'm going to say like, yeah, come in, come in relaxed, come in confident, um, which I know is a tall order. I'm not going to say come in confident, relaxed. Uh, and come in ready to ask me questions because I want to answer your questions um, and then come in ready to talk, really. Oh, my goodness. You say it's like it's so easy. I'm going to come in sweating. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I say this. And, you know, like right before an interview, I'm like taking deep breaths. <laughs> Bring a glass of water because my mouth runs dry. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God. Right? It's such a high pressure situation. And it is. It's Right. Uh, no matter how many times you do it, it always feels like every interview is super high stakes. Yeah. And I think that we kind of forget uh, that, like when we're when we're not when we're out of the whole job search process, the interviewing process, we forget like how intense it is and how uh, how everything feels like every single moment is important. Every question is important. Uh, so I think one of the things I always I also always want to stress is like have grace with yeah. yourself and with everybody involved with you in this process it's it's a learning process and a lot of it is luck and opportunity and timing and a lot of things you can't control and I think that yeah. helps when you're going in I think that's a very good point because I've also conducted interview and have I've hired two people and also like also rejected like, reject. like some and it felt when you send a rejection it always feels sad yes but you're like I mean that's how actually it feels like this time I'm on this side I hired two people and then last time maybe I, I wasn't hired so it's it's um, again I, I have no words for it I think you're right mm -hmm. though I liked what you said about being just confident and coming in relaxed and ready to ask questions and we are there to win thank you so much Sumaya for please go follow Sumaya I think you can share your handles where people can follow you where you want to connect with people please do so Yes, yes, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me, Madonna. It's been great getting to talk to you about um, all of this stuff. And I look forward to hearing from folks. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter. And I'm always happy to get questions.